Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 82 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is September 9th, 2009. That's 9909. And this week we have an exciting show for you on the podcast. We're going to talk all about the huge 56 3 victory USC had over San Jose State, and of course the upcoming matchup in Columbus against the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're going to talk to USAFootball.com beat writer Dan Wykey in the next segment about the team. We'll talk to Gerard Martinez a little bit later on the show about recruiting. And then the first segment, as always, we have the coach, Harvey Hyde, joining us from Las Vegas. Coach, what's going on, man? Well, the same old thing, buddy. Just go, go, go. It's just college football season gets started. It couldn't have been more exciting. All the big games this past weekend, upsets and uh, big teams, uh, winning big and some big teams uh, barely winning and some big teams getting beat. So, you know, it's college football. The NFL kicks off too uh, this weekend, so it couldn't be better. It's the best time of the year. It is a great, great weekend. Uh, every If you like fantasy football, all that's starting up. Oh, so much good stuff's going on. And if you have any questions or comments for us on the podcast, just even send us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address and like coach harvey hyde said there's a lot of football coming up and if you need tickets for any kind of football games or any other sporting events just give southern california tickets a call at 1-800-888-7287 they're our sponsor for this segment and we really appreciate their generosity helping us out here and when they've been our sponsor for a long time sctickets.com is the website address and coach i know if you need any tickets for anywhere you're going to go to sctickets.com I certainly am. I go to them for all of my tickets, whether they're concerts or games or whatever I need, because they always put me in a spot where I can see it every, say everything perfectly. I went to Jersey Boys. They had me in the third row. Can you believe that? Very, you know, when someone of your stature, Coach, you have to get the good seats. I mean, you're, you're, you can't be in the nosebleeds, man. You're just too popular. Well, it's not that. It's <laughs> I can't see them. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, they just do a great job and you know what I like about it? They they don't gouge you. Uh, it's worth uh, the extra money you may have to pay because you get the extra benefits that go along with it. You don't stand in line. Uh, uh, you got your ticket. You don't worry about having to call people or any of that stuff. And that's what's important to me. At my time of my life, you know, I used to stand in line in the service, okay? And, and I don't do that anymore. I like <laughs> to have everything organized, Okay. That makes sense, Coach. All right, so sctickets.com is a place you can check out. Uh, we've got a lot to get to, so there's a question from one of your favorites. Uh, Terry and Day had a question for you. It's about the running backs. I figure we'll go to that first, and we'll get your thoughts on the game and then looking forward to Ohio State and all that stuff. But uh, first, he, uh, Terry wanted to thank us for the, uh, the I think it was a four-episode uh, answer to a question he said when well, you broke down all the positions, so he really liked that. Um, but he wanted to know uh, about the running back rotation. And, you know, we can chat about this a little bit. Um, McKnight did get the start. And, uh, you know, some people thought it might be like a C.J. Gable because he started as a true freshman similar to what Matt Barkley did. But C.J., uh, this wasn't in his question, but it's something I'll throw out there. C.J. didn't get a carry until the second half. Uh, you know, McKnight came in there, fumbled right away, but they stuck with him. They went with Bradford and Johnson. Johnson looked a little... Uh, 
he looked like he was a little down when he wasn't getting as many carries. And then he got a couple of touchdowns that seemed to pick him up. Bradford had some runs. He had that long touchdown run as well. So everyone, you know, those three guys seem to be pretty happy. CJ's the one that kind of fell off. And then, you know, Tyler and McNeil got some carries in the second half, but then McNeil ended up hurting his shoulder. So he didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Uh, but he just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that whole quarterback, I mean, uh, running back rotation. Well, first of all, uh, I want to commend the offensive line because without the offensive line blocking the way they did, I give them my player of the week award. The running backs wouldn't have had the afternoon they had. They had a great afternoon, and so did uh, Matt Barkley have a great afternoon because of the protection and how the offensive line played. All great games are won in the trenches, and the offensive line and the defensive line made it happen for everybody. First of all, uh, you know, you talk about making everyone happy. It's impossible to make everyone happy. Everyone's not going to be happy, but there's always going to be someone who has a better day than the other guy. There's always going to be somebody that has a negative experience of fumble or not as many turns or drops a pass or whatever. And, and you know, you, you can't worry about a popularity contest as a coach. You've got to do what it takes to win. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, sometimes you have to uh, so put blinkers on because you've got to do what's best for the team, too. And sometimes everyone doesn't play equally. And, and, and on the other side of that, you know, I don't want anybody that's happy about not playing. I want to have guys that want to play. I want guys who think they can win for me. I want guys who can't wait to get in there. I want guys to say, Coach, give me the opportunity and I'll get it done for you. And this is what USC has as far as the running backs are concerned. You know, almost every player that's transferred from USC because of they're not wanting to compete, have gone and started uh, the colleges, but that's fine. These guys that are there have stuck it out and had a, uh, a finally got an opportunity What I think where I think this year's success at USC is going to be the running game with play-action pass coming off of it, as you saw in the first game. You saw not many plays. You saw everything being simple. You didn't see mass substitution. You saw a very calm team run the same plays over and over and over. You saw them stretch the defense. You didn't see them just run the toss once. You saw them run the toss several times. You saw them run the stretch several times. You saw them run the fullback one time up the middle. And then you saw a play-action pass off of all, all different types of backs in the flat or tight ends in the flat or, or little curl routes or out routes or so on to the wide receivers. You didn't see many deep routes. You saw a seam route a couple times. But... I'm, you don't have to do a lot of things when you have better players. It's better to keep it simple and have your players execute and be, understand what they're supposed to do than to be substituting, not getting into a rhythm. And early in the game, you saw that. They weren't into a good rhythm. They were sort of searching for what their identity was going to be. And obviously after the run started to go, they didn't abandon the fumble. They didn't abandon the run after McKnight fumbled. And you didn't see him dance much more after that. He ran like a running back is supposed to run, get your tough yards, break tackles, get up the field, protect the football, and they gave him another chance. I thought all the backs had a tremendous game. Now, when you ask me about C.J. Gable, I don't have the answer to that. It's impossible to have the answer why he only played a few plays. If I had the answer or if I gave you a reason, then I'd be making it up as I don't know. So I'm not <laughs> going to say why he didn't play or why he didn't get as many turns. But it's impossible to play everybody. I thought Mark Tyler looked well. 
uh, he looked a little tired. He got so many yards <laughs> at, 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 towards the end. He sort of said, I better score on this player. player they're going to substitute me. Yeah. But he got in there. He scored a touchdown. Uh, I thought Havili had a great game. And, you know, Havili, people don't talk much about Havili. But all those key runs that you saw those backs do, in a lot of situations when it's out of the eye, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> or two-back set, the key block half the time is Havili's. He's blocking the linebacker. He's blocking the corner. He's blocking the strong safety. He's blocking whoever comes off of a block. And, you know, announcers, when you watch the game or listen to the game, a lot of times don't show you that or tell you that. But uh, I think he had a great game, too. So let's, <clears throat> excuse me, let's throw that into the mix and give him credit also. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Havili had a big game. They, they threw the ball to him. They ran the ball, and, of course, he sealed off a lot of those plays and allowed some of those running backs to, to break free and get into, the, uh, in, you know, into that second level and make people miss in the secondary and stuff. So I think it was a, you know, big props to Stanley Havili. Um, Coach, you know, there was a lot of talk about Matt Barkley. He was 15 and 19. Two of the passes, Pete Carroll said, were throwaway passes, so he just threw the ball away. I think there was a third down one early in the game that kind of made people groan. But he didn't take the chance to throw an interception. He just threw it away, punted, and then you know came back on the field the next series. Uh, two of those passes, one was to Damian Williams in the end zone that got kind of batted away by the defensive back, hit you know hit Williams in the hands, and another one hit uh, Anthony McCoy in the hands. So I mean, really, it didn't seem like he missed any passes he tried to complete. Um, you know, he hit the receivers in the hands or they caught the ball. Uh, but the the problem that I had, and it's not a problem, but there wasn't any balls over the middle. There wasn't any balls deep. And it didn't seem to ever, like, take a three-step drop, look to the right, and throw to the left. Everything was, it seemed like simplified. Like you said, if you have better players, why make it complicated? He would roll out to the right, and there'd be a receiver there that he was looking straight at, and he could throw to. And then same way, if he, you know, booted to the left a little bit, there would be a guy there in the flat or maybe a little bit further downfield that he could hit. Uh, as a coach, I mean, if you have an inexperienced quarterback, I mean, is, is this the kind of stuff you would try to do? And is there a, a lot more inherent risk if you let him throw over the middle? I mean, just to me, it seemed like that Pete Carroll was going to make sure, like he was trying to engineer the fact that there would not be an interception. It, that, that's kind of what it seemed like. Well, you know, I, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I know, you know, there's nobody critical more than me. You know that. I tell you the way it is you every do. time. That's why we love him. And, and, and I, I'm going to tell you, I can't say anything negative about any of the series calling. Uh, the first couple of series, uh, uh, you know, that uh, bubble screen to McCoy, I said, what comic book did they get that out of? You know, <laughs> I, that, that, you know, that play, I sort of wondered, where did that come from? But then they got away from that, and a couple of passes he threw away is, is, uh, shows maturity. Uh, I think why change? He, they had over 600 yards in offense. So, you know, you don't need to do a lot of things if you have 600 yards in offense. And then again, they, they were working everything off of the run. They had great rushing game, a great passing game. It was balanced. So you're not forced to do anything else. So why do anything else? And they, they really had a chance now to uh, get their timing down. The line had a chance to work on their run blocking and play action pass blocking. And, and I, you know, I personally like what they did. You know, you always hear me talk about draws and screens and so on and, and hitting the seams and wide delays and, and all these things. They didn't need to do that. 
And, and you know, I, let me tell you, Matt Barkley had a great game, but Aaron Corp could have had the same game. The game plan was simple. It was executed. When Aaron Corp came in, he had a great game. He was four for four through a touchdown pass. What a great op- what a great situation when you have the depth that you do at SC. Look what happened to the Oklahoma and when Bradford went down, they have a guy come in that really nothing against him. He wasn't prepared and ready to play and everything was in Bradford's hands and now there's their season is somewhat decimated until he comes back. But you've got a Corp, you've got a Barkley, you've got a Mustaine, you know? You've got a Garrett Green, and then you always got John Manugian who's ready to come onto the field. But, you know, I always say that because John Manugian's dad is a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> so I get his name in on every show, you notice that? I do, yeah. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. I've, I've met him as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's a great feeling. So, you know, they didn't need to do a lot of things. So why take a chance? Why do things just to do things? Do things that are working and off of things, you bring other things. If you jump around, and this is where I've been critical before, I never had an idea of what the play call was and when it was. It used to be first down on the, on the one-yard line, and they'd come out with no remaining backs with Sarkeesian. I said, what is this all about? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? The field is closed down, and they throw a pass, or bat, the ball would get batted down, or something would happen. That, and, you know, and it, it wasn't always negative, but, but why do that when you build the confidence in your team that, hey, when it's, when it's first and one or first and three, Hey, we own that property. You know what? That's going to be your grave site, son. And what you do is you just run that ball in and you, you get pushed off the football. And I, and I think they had that type of mentality. They played well. Now, San Jose State was not, you know, was not the team that, <clears throat> you know, they're going to play better teams the entire year. You know, San Jose, the highest they were picked in any conference poll I saw, including their own poll in the WAC conference was six, but they brought their game. They played hard and they got wore down. So, you know, but that's what SC supposed to do. Wear you down when you have a lot of depth like that. Now this week's game at Ohio state is going to be a real challenge, but that's what football is all about to be able to go back there and say, okay, we brought our jerseys. You bring your jerseys. You know what I mean? Here's the time to get started. And, and uh, so I was really happy not just with the offense, but with the defense. When the offense was struggling a little bit early uh, and didn't have a rhythm, the defense hung in there. They bent, but they never broke. Played well, gave up three points, big deal. And a lot of people had a chance to play on the defense. A lot of people got experience. And when you recap the San Jose State game entirely, it was a great opening game for the Trojans. Why? because everyone came off the field having an opportunity to play. Michael Reardon, I think every person on the depth chart, If I now I might be wrong, a lot of freshmen, but I think everybody on the roster played in some capacity. Now there always is someone that doesn't get in, but hey, you know what? When you go in the locker room, everybody's excited. When you come out of the locker room, you're running over to your girlfriend, or you're running over to your parents, they're excited because they saw you play. It's great for recruiting. It's great for the alumni to see an opening game like that where everybody has an opportunity. And they came out basically injured free. So, you know, and overall, you couldn't have had a better opener. That's the best way to say it. Well, with a 56 to 3, yeah. how else can you be better? Than right. That? No, I agree with you, Coach. And uh, it's exactly the way Pete Carroll wanted it to go. 
Now it's going to get a little tougher playing in Columbus. There's been a lot of talk this week. Terrell Pryor, their stud sophomore quarterback, who's very agile. There's been comparisons to Vince Young. And, uh, you know, USC's had some success against running quarterbacks and had some failures. I mean, Juice Williams, they, they shut down pretty well. Uh, you know, when they played Illinois, you know, Richard Mendenhall actually had a big, big game in that one. But they, they did a really good job containing uh, Juice Williams there. You know, from your point of view, I mean, you've coached some mobile quarterbacks. I mean, you had Rand- maybe the first, the, the big marquee one, Randall Cunningham. I mean, you've coached him before. What, you know, what was it like, I guess, on the other side when people are gearing up trying to stop a guy like that? And what can you do? Like, what can Trussell do if, if Pete Carroll really says, I'm going to make, you know, Randall, uh, Rand- uh, sorry, Terrell Pryor, Randall Cunningham, Terrell Pryor come out and beat him. You know, that's what everyone says, try to make him beat you with his arm as opposed to his legs. What do you think Trestle can do in those kind of situations? Well, you know, to make uh, it be successful, you have to run the ball. They're not going to come out and throw the ball every down with Terrell Pryor. That's not their philosophy. I think they're going to run more of a power game at USC. They're going to try to isolate their backers because SC doesn't see that type of football much. They're going to give them some Midwest power football, eye blast, and so on. And, you know, their backers are great and they're quick, but they're they're smaller in size. And what you try to do when you play USC's defense because it's being a quicker type of defense you try to isolate the speed by running right at them when you run right at them that isolates their pursuit that isolates their their quickness because you try to run right at them and screen people away and let your back make a break on the block and get into the secondary so i think you're going to see that i think you're going to see ohio state try to establish the run and off of the run have the pass now this year i think terrell Pryor is a a better, much better football player than he was a year ago. I had a chance to watch some of the first game, had a chance to see his spring game, and he is a far improved passer, and he has a lot more confidence. And if you compare him with Vince Young, he's a far better passer than Vince Young. He can actually throw some routes. He's improving, you know, his 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 ability to to read the secondaries and who to throw to. Remember when. Vince Young was playing in the national championship game against USC. He was a senior. I believe he was a senior. Wasn't he a senior that year? Uh, I, think yeah, he was he, a, I think he was a junior. junior that came out early. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was like a fourth-year junior. Well, yeah. Terrell's a sophomore, but I think he's improved uh, to be really a force. He might not have the running ability yet that Vince Young did because Texas was run first, pass second, and I believe Ohio State the same way. But but I, I you know I, I think that what if your defense Ohio State what you do is you put your ends you put somebody on twelve prior every play you you don't you don't let, allow yourself with the option to get fooled there isn't an option there's no option somebody's got the running back someone's got Terrell and that's every play so every time if he comes your way whether he has the ball or not you don't guess you smack his ass so. Legally, I'm not talking about illegally. You let him know that when he comes around there, there's someone waiting for him. And you try to take away the run if you're good enough from your other down inside guys, and, and, and you don't make it an option. Now, if he comes that way and there's a trail block back, then it is going to be a toss. There's no question about him faking and cutting up. You're going to toss the ball, and it's going to be a stretch sweep. Because every single time he comes, there's no option. He knows I'm going to toss the ball because I'm going to get smacked. Every single time you don't see or care 
whether he handed out the ball off or not, you smack him. The guy that's got it. That way, if it's a toss option outside or whatever it might be, then the ball is going to be a stretch sweep. And that's the way you play it. And that's the way I think you have to play it because you can't allow your, 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 your defensive talent to sort of stutter and, and hesitate because that's when they make their move and get up the field. So that's my opinion on that, and I think it's going to be uh, you're going to see a lot of blast, a lot of right at you running, and then you're going to try to see some option because, you know, SC doesn't see that as much, but they had a chance to see a little bit of it this past weekend against San Jose State. Now, Coach, uh, you, everyone talked about the amount of talent USC lost to the NFL draft. I mean, you could argue Ohio State lost as much or more, um, and it appears to be USC's kind of replaced that talent a little bit better than Ohio State has, but it's only one game. I mean, how much can you take out of this Navy game and what happened there? Uh, I mean, it, you know, it's, I think sometimes people overemphasize, you know, one result. Is USC as good as they looked against San Jose State, or is, is Ohio State as bad as they kind of looked against an inferior Navy team? Probably not. It's probably somewhere in the middle. But, you know, how much do you take away from that, that you know, near – they almost lost that game to Navy. Well, I think everybody, that's what, uh, you know, shocked everybody. The Navy's a good football team, I want you to know. They, they'd have beat San Jose State probably. Uh, the, the thing that's amazing is they went into the, the uh, Ohio State's home in the horseshoe, and they, and they played them there down at the very end. Now, was Ohio State ready to play? I think so. I think they're ready to play. Were they really prepared for that type of offense, the option offense and the pass off the option and so on? They tried to be. They thought they would out-talent Navy, and they did. Uh, they found a way to win that football game, which is important. Uh, they didn't lose that football game. But what that does now is it scared Ohio State to a point that they were really prepared this week for USC. Not that they wouldn't have, but they got scared. And, 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 and they, they probably are now have a lot of question marks. We've got to work harder. We've got to get ready for the Trojans because, you know, the Trojans had a pretty easy opening football game. And, you know, last year in L.A., they dominated Ohio State. So that's the number one thing the Trojans have as far as going in now to Columbus. First of all, they've got to take the crowd out of the game early. They can't allow Ohio State to score on them early. They've got to score on Ohio State, and if they're up by 10 to 14 points, they'll start to doubt themselves, Ohio State, as well as their fans. So, you know, this is the number one thing that you have to do. You've got to play with them equal. You can't make any mistakes. You can't allow them to jump in front of you. And then when you've got a chance, you've got to separate them to take the fans out of the game and then put that doubt in the players at Ohio State that, yes, Ohio State, that they – that they're watching a team like USC uh, that is better than them. You know, I think, Coach, that uh, that close lo- I mean, that close win probably actually helped them get them a little more focus. Not that you need any more focus for this, but I think it it'll it'll just put more people kind of against their camp and more people picking against them, and it can give them a little bit more of the chip on their shoulder. But you well, could it's really true. Yeah, it's true, but it's you true. Could, look at the numbers. Look at the numbers on the game. You know, the professionals that bet on the game. I mean, the numbers opened at, what, four or five? It's up to seven points. Wow. Seven-point favorite USC here in Vegas over Ohio State. And Columbus. Georgia. I mean, yeah, think about that for a minute. Yeah, no, so, so I think that would give them a chip on their shoulder. But looking back, I was talking to uh, Malik Jackson yesterday after practice, and uh, 
we were talking about containing a running quarterback, and then he brought up something. He was like, you know, San Jose State runs a similar offense. Obviously, the personnel's not the same, but San Jose State seemed to be more of a, a perfect kind of prepare you for that kind of spread, mobile quarterback sort of thing, where Navy was not preparing you for anything that you would see. Uh, so it seemed like that's a little bit of an advantage to USC there. So I think it, it helps Ohio State that they, they won a close one, but I think it hurts them that the opponents for USC and the opponent, the opponent for USC and the opponent for Ohio state didn't really prepare in the same way. It helped USC where it didn't really help Ohio state. You know, I'll agree with you on that. I'll agree with you hundred uh, percent. San Jose was a good scout team for USC as far as seeing that type of option and so on. Now they didn't really run it. You know, they never ran the quarterbacks that much or so on, or they didn't have the same ability, but they got prepared more for their Santa by their San Jose state game then Ohio State would get prepared for USC from its Navy game. But they'll run a completely different type of defense to play USC than what they did against Navy. I agree with that 100%. All right, Coach. Well, I can't wait. This weekend, you'll be coming back from Vegas. You'll be able to watch the game. I'm heading out to Columbus tomorrow. And uh, we will talk next week. We can talk all about this huge matchup with Ohio State and Carroll faces off against your favorite, Coach Sarkeesian, up in Seattle. So it's going to be a great show next week. Everyone, do not miss it. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be a great game, and it's really important. But this is a playoff game this week, ladies and gentlemen. This game means so much in the BCS standings as far as for Ohio State and for USC because both teams, if they're going to try to get to the national championship game, have got to run the table. So uh, this is what it's all about. People say we don't have a playoff. I'll tell you what, this can't be more than a playoff game than I can see anywhere. So we'll see what's going to happen with this. And then, again, both teams have to get ready to play. And, of course, the Trojans will be on the road again next week in Seattle. And I'll tell you, Seattle was crazy this past weekend with uh, their game against LSU. It'll be just as crazy when the Trojans go there. But, Let's get by Ohio State first. All right, Coach. Well, thanks again for joining us from Las Vegas. Have a safe trip back, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, and you have a safe trip. And for all of our Trojan fans out there, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please uh, send them in to us. And uh, remember Southern California Ticket Service because uh, they'll get it done for you. Yeah, and if questions, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. We'll be back 30-second break talking to Dan Weike of more about the USC football team. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are talking with uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Wecky all about the team in this segment. Dan, thanks for joining us. What's going on? How you doing, Ryan? I'm excited. Excited? Is it because nine nine oh nine? Is that why you're excited, or are you excited for the game? I am excited for nine nine oh nine. But I'm also excited for Ohio State, right? It's really I'm bursting at the seams right now. It's all it's all good. We're gonna go to the horseshoe. I've never been in the horseshoe. Have you? 
Um, I've been past it. I've never been inside. Okay, so we're going to check it out. Check out inside the horseshoe. It should be a lot of fun. We are both flying out there. I heard it's, I heard it's actually more impressive on the inside than the outside <laughs> when you walk by it in December. That makes sense. Uh, all right, well, let's see. Uh, so we've got a lot to get to, and I wanted to get to a question. We have an uh, international question uh, from Japan. Isn't that cool? Yeah, Brian uh, from Japan. He is actually a USC grad from 95, print journalism and political science. Um, maybe if, uh, if I fire you, I can hire this uh, hire uh, Brian if he wants to come out here. Um, Only if you pay the relocation cost. Yeah. Right? Maybe pay him to relocate. That would be pretty expensive. But uh, So he's been listening to a year now, and he wanted to thank all of you, even Dan, for doing a good job. And he's, he's apologized for the cheap shot there. But his question was, what one game this year would uh, scare – I like that he's making fun of you already. Uh, what one game this year uh, scares you the most? In other words, like is there an Oregon State 08, Stanford 07 looming, some game out there out of the blue that you think the Trojans could cruise into and then you know leave with a bad taste in their mouths? And he says, Domo arigato, Brian, which that means thank okay. you very much. All right, all right, Brian, you jerk. Um, let's, let's answer your question. Um, yeah, I think any game you watch, jerk. No, um, okay, seriously, um, there's a couple. Um, I think Washington, and people are going to roll their eyes at that and be like, really? Um, I think you saw it in the opener that, um, and, I, and I said this before, I just have a feeling that could be a tough game for some reason. Um, it, it, that same can get really, really loud. Um, I think their fans will be very, very up for it. Um, when USC comes to town. And then there's all that built-in excitement of, of Sark being the head coach. Now, do they have the athletes to play with USC? Of course not. But, you know, it, that's never been USC's problem. It's been turnovers and stuff like that. And, you know, if, if I had to pick a game where I think some crazy stuff could happen that it would really shock people, I think Washington um, on September 19th is a tough one. Obviously, it's, there's, there's a lot of things in that. You know, it's kind of a – a trap game in some sense because you know you're coming coming down from Ohio State, um, assuming USC wins there, um, and, and you know it's just a kind of a, a little bit of a different situation. It'll be difficult to match that kind of intensity two weeks in a row. Um, I think that's one, and then the obvious one. I mean, I think that the toughest game on the schedule after one week from what we've seen is October third at Cal. Um, Cal looked really really good in the opener. Um, and with their kind of running attack, they're a team that they can control the clock. And, uh, you know, teams haven't really been able to do that against USC. But, but you know, maybe with a smaller front seven than in years past, um, you know, maybe they can run the ball and, and, and kind of wear USC down almost, um, which, I mean, it sounds crazy to even think that. But if I had to pick any games that I thought were like where, where crazy things could happen, I'd say those are the two. Now Washington, you realize is on a 15-game losing streak. Is that uh, that doesn't? I do. <laughs> okay. I do. I, uh, I, no, well, I mean, but I mean, who knows in the Pac-10? Honestly, right now, who knows what USC is going to try to do better than Sark and Coach Holt? No, that's true. That's a good point. I, I think the big thing, and obviously USC beat Ohio State last year. They went off to lose to Oregon State. Similar thing this year. If they beat Ohio State, you got to travel up north again. Uh, the problem is, it's focus and sometimes there's a reason to not be as focused um as other games you know and i think with rick neuheisel at ucla he wasn't really focused when they lost to ucla a few years back with you know carl durrell there really wasn't any reason to be because they really were bad and that's how he ended up losing that game now that neuheisel's there ucla gets his undivided attention quite a bit charlie weiss 
always gets his undivided attention. You know, I think it's not going to be a big deal to play Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's going to have so much hype, which is, you know, falsely, <laughs> he didn't really get it because of they're a great team. They're a decent team, but they're going to just beat all these teams, and they're going to get a lot uh, a higher ranking than they should. I think USC will be focused for that one. I don't see that as a problem. And the Sark factor, like you said, I think that's why they will focus on Washington more. I mean, I, the fact that it, Sark will have his attention and they're on a 15-game losing streak, it would take almost a miracle for them to not take care of business up in Washington. I can see what you're saying. They played LSU tough. But, you know, LSU hasn't really had to travel that long, far for a game before, so I don't think they were as focused either. I, I think you're going to see – there's there's definitely some games USC could lose. I just don't see Washington as being one of those because of that focus factor. He's going to be focused on beating Sark. I think um, that I want to be abundantly clear and, and point out that I do not think that USC is going to lose to Washington. So yeah, you think they're going to lose to Washington? No, I, I don't. <laughs> All right. All right, Dan. Ryan thanks. Ryan and you're... Brian over there, you guys are colluding against me. Um, no, what I think is is that I think it could be a tougher game than people think. That's all I'm saying. Okay. No, that, and, that makes and, sense. And, and, and in a tough game like that, you know, if it's a tough game and if it's a close game, one or two mistakes can swing it, just like we saw at Oregon State last year. And I do think they were focused for Oregon State last year because what had happened the last time they went to Corvallis. Yeah, I, I, for know. me, the trap game, Brian, I'll answer this question for me. I think it's going to be Oregon because Oregon would have been a really tough game had they not, you know, lost blunt. I think Oregon can go off and lose a couple games between now and when USC plays up there in Eugene. And if that's the case, I think the focus comes off of them. They're not the, you know, preseason number two or number three pick or whatever for the Pac-10 anymore. Then they're just kind of like a regular team. And I think that's where USC could get beat. So I think that Oregon was good enough to like give them a game. Obviously they, they, they lost some players and the, the line play was a little suspect uh, when they played Boise state, but if they lose a few more games on the way, I don't think USC would be quite as focused. So to me, that could be the big trap game. I, I would tend to agree with that. I think that's a, um, a good point as well. All right. And uh, yeah, Brian, just want to let you know, I was talking to Gerard Martinez. Um, I let him know that we had a, you know, we'll talk to him in the next segment, but I was talking to him before the show and uh you know he's uh, he loves the international question, so we do appreciate that sending sending that in. Coach Pat Rule, the offensive line coach, actually has a Japanese coach with him quite a bit, who's kind of learning from him. And, and Coach Rule went over there a few years back and actually did some coaching in Japan. So just so you know, I don't know if you ran into him. I'm not sure how big of a country Japan is. You know, maybe you would bump into Coach Rule. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I've been there. I was there in 1999. Had a great time. Learned like four words and uh, ate a lot of sushi. So it was a lot of fun. Are you done? Bring it back to me, Ryan. Let's, let's, let's just let's move this focus along. All okay, right? let's let's move it segment. along. This is my segment, not Gerard loving international questions segment. Come on now. <laughs> okay, Dan. Well, Dan, speaking of loving on you, we, you know, we, we gave you some love from Brian or maybe a little ribbing. You've been taking a little ribbing on the message boards uh, for the uh, Pete Carroll commentary uh, that you wrote. Maybe you kind of explain that a little bit. Well, just a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote that, I think this approach – to, to games like Ohio State um, is, is a little yeah, simple. Um, you know, by saying that every game is the same as any other game, um, if I had a dollar for every time a player this week has told me that the field is going to be the same size, that they're going to use the same ball, you know, that they would use at the Coliseum, I'd be rich. Um, that the only real factor is the noise. Um, you know, which is true, 
but it's just such a simplification. And Carol is, is, is you know, went as far as to say that the other day, and it got me kind of thinking of, of the movie Hoosiers, which, you know, when they when they go into the state championship game in, in uh, Indianapolis, they they hoist their young hayseed Ollie onto the shoulders of one of the biggest players on the team, and they have him measure the basket, you know? Well, what I think would be neat is when USC walks into the horseshoe, um, is if you put Jordan Congdon on uh, Charles Brown's shoulders, and, and you'll give him a tape measure and let him measure the goalposts, <laughs> and, and 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 they can get that done too, and just and, and it can come full circle. No, the the seriously though, the point that I was trying to make, and, and maybe I I missed, I don't know, it's a possibility, it's happened before, um, is that <laughs> that it it almost doesn't matter what Carroll says at this point because he has so much credibility with his players. He can tell them something like that. I mean, these, you know, by and large are, are, are really pretty smart people. And, and you know, to, to, I think objectively, if you think about it, they're really, I mean, there's, it's going to be different, you know, playing in a game like that at Ohio state versus playing at a game at, you know, against San Jose state. It, it's just, it just is. Um, but, you know, I was talking to Damian Williams about this and, and, and he said, you know, to me that, you know, if they treat it differently, they, you know, you can kind of fall into some traps about trying too hard. And then if you, if it is a bigger game, then what does that say about other games on your schedule? You know, do you not get as up for Washington state? And then that's how you can kind of fall into traps. So I think it's a sound approach. It's just kind of delivered in, in kind of this, I don't know. I use the word hokey in my comment. I'll stand by that. I think it is a little hokey to, to, to really, you know, to say that, but it works. And that's really ultimately the point of what I was trying to say is that, you know, it's the delivery of the message, how it's delivered. You know, it's it's maybe that's where Carol's genius lies is in that he gets his players to listen to him and his players buy into everything he says. Yeah, and I, Dan, I had no problem with your column. I know some people can be critical or whatever, but, I, you know, I, I think it's true. And, and if you, you know... The point is, you know that whatever he's doing is working. If he all, if he only speaks in cliches, or all he does is, I mean, whatever it is, it's working. You know, and it just kind of, it seems a little hokey sometimes when you're talking about, you know, well, one game at a time or whatever it is. I mean, but that's, he yeah. does believe. It's not only that he preaches it. I mean, he believes it. He gets his players to believe it. And whatever it is, if you get somebody following the leader and everybody's on the same page, I think you can do a lot of things. I mean, whatever it is, like. It doesn't matter which diet you do. If you follow it, it seems it will probably work. It's just the whole problem is following it. Well, whatever he's doing, whatever he's preaching, he's getting the team to follow, and they're all acting as one, and you cannot argue with the record of his success. I mean, he goes into out-of-conference games, especially on the road, and does not lose. He not only wins, he kills teams, and it's uh, no one's been able to do that. I mean, everyone has a hard time early in the season. Whatever reason, Pete Carroll has his team ready. He has them believing, you know, it could be Matt Leinert's first pass against the number one Auburn team on the road. Boom, shut them out. I mean, whatever. It's just, you know, Arkansas, Nebraska, wherever it is, he seems to get Virginia them to Tech. Virginia Tech. I mean, hostile, hostile environments. And uh, and it, it's just a whole different thing. But the, the one thing that I would be concerned is he's usually able to get some points early and take the opponent's crowd out of the game. The way they started off against San Jose State, obviously that wouldn't happen. That would kind of build the crowd up a little bit. So we'll have to see if he lets Matt Barkley kind of loosen up a little bit, open things up, and get things going early to try and take the crowd out of the game. Or if he just does it the same way, we're going to go methodically, we'll eventually win. It just might take some time. I mean, I think they're going to run the ball. 
I, I really, I, I truly believe it. I think um, I was just on a with a, a radio radio station in Tennessee. They were asking me about this, and uh, you know, I just think that one of the the things that we don't know about Ohio State yet, um, based on their one game, is really how they handle the running game. Because granted, Navy ran the ball on them, but Navy runs the ball on everybody. I mean, they run a triple option. Like, I don't make excuses or anything like that, but I mean, unless you know, Ohio State sees, you know, Georgia Tech in the Fiesta Bowl or something like that at the end of the year, you know, they're probably not going to see another triple option. And it's just that gimmicky offense, and it's, you can prepare for it, but there's no way they're going to be able to run it as well as Navy does. And so it's not shocking that, that to me at least it wasn't, that Navy went in there and, and played good football and gave them a good game. Now, does that – is you know, is that indicative for how they're going to handle Joe McKnight? I, I, I don't know. And, and I think that's really where, in a lot of ways, this game, like the balance of this game lies. Can USC run the ball? Are they going to have to ask Matt Barkley to win it? Um, if, I, if, if I was playing Pete Carroll and inside Pete Carroll's head, I would think that you don't want to have to ask Matt Barkley to win this kind of a game this early in his career. No, I, I think that's a good point. And I was talking to Coach Hyde about this last segment, and we didn't really get to, to, to finish the point, but – the fact that Matt Barkley didn't have to do very much every time he threw, it was kind of the direction he was looking, left or right. He didn't throw over the middle where it'd be a little less risky, a little more risky. Um, I, I, I think now the first time he throws a ball over the middle will probably be in the horseshoe, you know. And the first ball he throws deep could be in the horseshoe. And you, I, you know, to me, I, it would have been nice to let him open up a little bit more, even though you didn't need to against San Jose State. I know Carroll had to temper that, make sure he didn't make any mistakes and help his confidence. But now the first time he throws that, you know, some little slant or crossing pattern over the middle, it could be against a better, you know, a lot better defense than what he saw last week. So I I think you take some, there's some risk and reward there. And we'll have to see how it works out for Pete Carroll and Matt Barkley. Ryan, but every game's the same. (laughs) No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm done being smart. Um, No, I, I, I think that, you know, um, I was a little surprised that they weren't a little more loose with the offense um, in the opener, almost just to even give Ohio State that look, that if you thought you were going to have to be methodical to win, you know what I mean, let them prepare for Matt Barkley to throw the ball all over the field. Um, I think that was, the reason they weren't, I think, is just a byproduct of they wanted to build his confidence. They wanted to make sure that he got through that game, you know, feeling good about where he's at, and also feeling good about the direction of the team, you know, very easily – Let's say that they had, against San Jose State, thrown the ball down the field a lot, okay? Let's say Barkley gets picked twice or three times, you know, which, I mean, if you're going to stretch the field and take chances, that's a possibility. You know, now all of a sudden, maybe this week, instead of instead of talk, all of us talking about how great Matt Barkley is, then we're talking about how Aaron Corp should maybe start. No, that's you true. Know? And, and that, 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 that kind of creeps in and becomes a distraction. You know, maybe there's that. Maybe they just wanted to eliminate that from, from really happening. I don't know. You know, something tells me that they don't concern themselves too much with, with what outside people think. No, they you know, certainly I, I do mean not. That, yeah, certainly. I mean, certainly know, they and, do and not. Even what other te- yeah, even with what other teams think. They, I don't think, you know, I don't really approach a game like that to say, you know, we're really going to give, you know, Ohio State a phony look at what we're doing. Ha, 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 we're smarter. Uh, that's their style, you know. They're, they're just going to be better. They're going to try to be better All and right. you know that's that's what's worked okay so going in what are what are your thoughts kind of going into this game you know um i, I feel like usc is going to win the football game 
That being said, I think there are two very important players whose statuses are a little bit in doubt right now who, you know, I, I think are important. Um, I think, you know, the fact that Jarrell Casey and Kevin Thomas have both missed time with illnesses this week is, is a concern. You know, neither of them have practiced since uh, or played since uh, Saturday. You know, so that that's a little bit of a, a question mark. Um, more so with Kevin Thomas, I think. Just because, um, you know, with Sharice Wright already, already done for the year, the depth at corner isn't what it was. And, you know, it, it makes it a little tougher, you know, when – and I don't mean to disparage guys like Brian Bachum, TJ Bryan, or Marshall Jones, who I think are three very good football players, but, you know, they just don't have the same kinds of experience in big games than if you're out there with Pinkert and Kevin Thomas, you know, starting as your cornerbacks. Um, by all accounts, Terrell Pryor is throwing the football better than he has ever in his career. Um, I think, obviously, USC wants them, wants Ohio State to, to go to the air to have to win this game. They don't want Terrell Pryor running all over the place. Um, they want him to have to throw the football. Um, but that being said, I think they want to have their best defense out there. And, you know, Jarrell Casey, they've got some depth at defensive tackle, but he just played, I thought, really well in the opener. And I think that they would benefit a lot. He's just so disruptive, um, you know, as far as a guy who, who can play and can take up some blocks and, and kind of help keep the pocket um, tight for Terrell Pryor. I think that's really going to be – I mean, you, you want to close the pocket on a, on a guy like this. You want to contain him from the outside, not let him run, run wild. Um, and, I, and I think that's going to be very important. This is a defensive line play. No, those are good points, and I think uh, you know you, they're going. You, Ohio State's going to try to run the ball. I think Kevin Thomas does a good job in uh, you know supporting the run, so I think that would be a big loss. And Jarrell Casey, I think the thing he would do most in this is open up stuff for other. He can contain a lot in the middle all by himself. So I think he would free up you know some of the guys around him to make plays, especially when they're kind of stretched out wide. If you got Pryor rolling out or whatever, I think. Casey can shut up enough of that middle and stuff it up there where other people can free up. He might not make as many plays on prior. You know, he'll get his chances, but I think he just opens things up. He just seems to disrupt so much in the middle. It allows people around him yeah. to make plays. Well, and that was one thing we did see from Ohio State in the opener was that this offensive line is not as good as it was a year ago. It was a pretty good offensive line last year that Ohio State had. Had some, had some good players. Um, you know, and another thing, too, is, I mean, they, they – People talk about the hits that USC took on defense. You know, Ohio State took some pretty serious hits on defense, too. They lost three really good football players, you know, in Lauren Addis, Duncan Jenkins, and, uh, and Marcus Freeman. You know, those are three really good football players, two fantastic linebackers, and one of the best, you know, secondary players in the country. So, I mean, that's going to be, you know, both of these defenses still are in a little bit of transition. I mean, you know, this is really going to be the first test for both of them. Um, you know, maybe tested Ohio State probably more than they thought they would. Um, but to get, like, an actual true test from a traditional kind of offense, I think it'll be really interesting to see how, how they respond. All right, Dan. Well, thanks for your time. We are going to uh, fly out tomorrow. But everyone else, thank you for uh, your questions, especially the international ones. Brian, thanks for taking And if anyone wants to send in questions and take shots at Dan, no problem. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Yeah, right. That's encouraged. Uh, but Dan, thanks again for joining us, and we'll—I'll uh, see you tomorrow on the play. But we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I had an absolute blast. Thank you. <laughs> hey, man, I supported your column. I liked it. Uh, but anyway, everyone else. I, know. I, I did appreciate that. I did appreciate. Yeah, that. everyone else, stay tuned. We're in a really quick break, and we'll be uh, talking to Gerard Martinez about USC football recruiting. Stay tuned. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. 
Hey, it's Ryan Abraham, and I wanted to let you college football fans know about NationalTailgate.com, the premier one-stop shop for tailgating supplies. With over 600 products available, the guys at National Tailgate are committed to helping you build the most talked-about tailgate on campus. Don't stress about planning. At NationalTailgate.com, they make it easy. From grills to generators to games, our friends at NationalTailgate.com got it covered. As an added bonus, they're offering 10% off to Peristel podcast listeners. Just enter the code PODCAST during checkout. Once again, it's www.nationaltailgate.com, where tailgating is their business. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk some recruiting in this segment with uscfootball.com recruiting analyst, Gerard Martinez. Gerard, how are you doing this 9909 day? This 9909 day, good. It's a good day to be on the Inner Empire, hopefully. Yeah, you're not getting married or anything, right? No, there's no, a, but I should be playing the lotto, I guess. Yeah, there's lots of weddings and stuff going on today. Uh, fun stuff. All right, well, we have uh, your favorite today. International question. We have a question from Honduras. You ready for that? Honduras, interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Fire it, away from exactly. Honduras. Yeah, we like. We got a couple international questions today, but Robert uh, from Honduras had a two-part question. Robert from Honduras. Yes, Uh on quarterbacks, he wanted first off, um, does the promotion of Matt Barkley help or hurt quarterback recruiting, obviously, because now you have a true freshman starting and he could be entrenched there for a while. Is that going to hurt USC's efforts to recruit more quarterbacks? Well, it's not going to you know hurt them with more quarterbacks because I don't think they're recruiting more quarterbacks, at least for this year. They've got Jesse Scroggins, a 6'3", 195-pound quarterback from Lakewood, California, four-star guy. Uh, just right at that Rivals 100 level. He's been in the Rivals 100 for a while and dropped a little bit um, this uh, past month. But, you know, he, he's always going to be right around there. It really, you know, that's the guy. I mean, they have him committed, and they want to keep him committed. <laughs> really is what they're trying to do. It's not going to be an issue of trying to get another guy. Um, and the plan all along for Jesse has been that Matt Barkley would come in, play as a true freshman, and leave after three years. That's always been the talk. Is you know he's going to be able to have uh, you know three years under his belt and then be able to be draft eligible. And for Scroggins, that would end up giving him three years of eligibility to play. So it actually helps USC with Scroggins uh, in terms of their plan for the future and, and what they talked about. Because obviously that question came up a lot when he was being recruited, um, and everybody wanted to know. You know, you got Matt Barkley right in front of you, Matt Barkley, Matt Barkley, and how can you go to USC when USC just recruited the best quarterback in the nation a year before you? And so that was, you know, that was discussed very early and upfront by the USC coaching staff. They obviously knew that was going to be a hurdle, and that you know had been talked about. So you know, Scoggins knows all about Matt Barkley, and the plan and the thought from his camp was always. Matt Barkley's going to play this year and actually going to be a starter. Interestingly that, you know, it's it's turned out that way, and, and Matt Barkley is the starter now, and, you know, for the foreseeable future, he'll be the starter. And if he didn't start, then that might actually be more of a question. So as far as the quarterback recruiting, um, they got the guys that they wanted, and they want to keep them committed. You know, Tennessee is going to continue to keep, really continue to go after Jesse Scroggins hard, and, um I think that's the one school that might be the school that can maybe try to sway him a little bit with playing time. Um, but you never know what happens. There could be other schools in the Pac-10 that come calling late and, and 
you know, maybe there's some some wavering or whatnot, you know, later in the year. You never really know until they sign on the dotted line. But uh, in terms of, of coming into the year, what they thought and, and what Scroggins uh, had planned, this is it. You know, it's it's playing out exactly like he thought it would. Now, Tennessee, didn't they just get a commitment from a quarterback? Is it Taylor Bray? Yeah, well, t- Tennessee is, is kind of – uh, they've been in California for a while trying to get various quarterbacks. Um, you know, the first guy that they, they really wanted uh, was Jesse Scroggins. I mean, that was the guy that they, they went after hard early on and, and you know, recruited, recruited, and, and were in the top three for him and ended up being Florida, USC, and Tennessee. And they obviously struck out with Scroggins. And then they went on with Chase Reddick. And Chase Reddick was a kid that maybe was going to be the second in line for USC um, out of uh, San Clemente. Uh, he's about 6'2", 190 pounds, uh, had a cannon for an arm, not very accurate, uh, really in the decision-making kind of uh, aspects of the quarterback position. He, he just, you know, kind of was a little erratic. Um, in some of the camps that we saw, but natural talent is, is definitely there. He ended up committing to Boston College, which really shocked a lot of, uh, of of Tennessee fans. I mean, they really thought that he would, you know, they would get him at least. And so, yeah, now Tyler Bray, who, you know, we watched in, in a bunch of camps. I mean, he showed up to a lot of things: Rising Stars, the Skills Camp, uh, Elite Eleven. Uh, we saw him in a, a various camps, and he was very impressive. He's a different kind of quarterback than Reddick and Scroggins. Reddick and Scroggins are uh, the, the, the shorter, kind of John David Booty-ish more quarterbacks. You know, I mean, Scroggins has got an excellent arm. He's, 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 both of those kids actually have really, really good arms. I think, um, you know, Reddick is, is probably a little more of a, a burner underneath and, and really just fires the ball underneath really well, uh, where I think um, Scroggins may have a little more touch on the deep ball. And But they're, they're similar in some ways, whereas Bray is the big, tall, Matt Leiner kind of looking quarterback. He's a really big, linky guy, legitimately 6'5", almost 6'6". Uh, I, I think, you know, Reddick is listed 6'4". He's, he's more like 6'2". And, and, and Scroggins is 6'2", right at that 6'3 range. Um, so, you know, Bray is a bigger quarterback. Very impressive kid, though. I mean, accurate. Doesn't have the huge arm. That's the big issue. He, he's not the big arm guy, but, you know, Matt Leinart wasn't the big arm guy either, and a lot of people think he was one of the best college quarterbacks ever. So um, that's kind of how that whole situation played out. All right. And then uh, second part to that question, 2011-2012, any quarterbacks that uh, should worry Jesse Scroggins? Any, uh, you know, it's kind of out there, but is there any quarterbacks you think USC would be on for the next couple of classes? No, I mean, not at this point. I think if you've got Scroggins, um, you know, they're they're going to be pretty settled. Uh, and you can say that now, and you never know. I mean, I think, you know, after getting Barkley, it probably would have been the assumption that they wouldn't have gone after any quarterbacks. But um, there hasn't been anybody who's really jumped off the radar early on. Um, you know, there's been some good kids. I mean, there's a kid down uh, in, uh, in San Diego named Crowder who's pretty good. Uh, but we saw him at one of the camps and. He just he didn't he didn't jump out as a guy that was like oh wow you know this this kid's going to be unbelievable he's going to be the next this this next that um, I, I think that it seems like Scroggins is is probably the best guy that we've seen 
uh, here in the next two classes thus far. But you know what? I mean, it's early, and there's a lot of time, and there's a lot of quarterbacks always on the West Coast, and, and that's going to just take more evaluation and guys coming out of the woodwork. I mean, Jesse Scroggins at this time last year probably wouldn't have been considered a guy that, uh, you know, would, would – I mean, there's a lot of things you would look at the, the situation with Matt Barkley already being committed. You'd think, well, you know, they're going to get Matt Barkley. They've got Matt Barkley. There's no way Jesse Scroggins would even want to come to USC, so he's out of the question type thing. But like I said, I mean, Scroggins kind of looked at the situation, and, and it was talked about and discussed with the USC coaching staff. He really liked USC. And he's a guy that definitely had a huge spring and really caught on fire a little bit there. Um, you know, early kind of coming out of February into March was really when he took off. You know, he went to a few camps, a few seven-on-seven passing tournaments, and just was a guy that just got a lot of buzz. I mean, a lot of not just people like myself who saw him and thought, wow, you know, he's really accurate. He's really a guy that seems to just, man, he clicks really well with these receivers really fast. It was a guy that a lot of receivers in the camp circuit thought was like a guy that was really a good quarterback and, 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 a, and a kind of quarterback that they'd like to play with. And that kind of word gets around when guys are at camps. And it's like, man, you seen that Jesse Scroggins kid? Wow, that's, you know, he, he's really a top guy. I remember Kenny Stills having a conversation with him in sometime in March, it was early March, and we were talking about quarterbacks and stuff, and he talked about Jesse Scroggins. It was like, you know, man, Jesse Scroggins, yeah, I played with him. He's really accurate. I mean, that guy, he's he's really good quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback that I've seen right now, and, and that kind of stuff gets around, you know, the college coaches as well. So, um, you know, it, it can change quickly. You know, a guy has a few good camps, and he starts developing a little more, gets some off-season training and with quarterbacks, there's always off-season training. I mean, those guys seem to be going, you know, year-round. Um, they can develop quickly. So uh, at this point, no, there's not anybody that just jumps off the radar like, wow, USC's, you know, got to get on this kid. But it can happen, you know, it can happen down the line. All right. And then uh, last thing for you, Gerard, before we uh, end our 999 podcast, um, you got to see Jesse Scroggins in person uh, last Friday. It was Friday. Uh, there was a heartbreaking loss, 27-28 loss to Crenshaw, the Shaw. Uh, what did you think of that game? You, you know, there was a bunch of, you know, a couple of USC commits, obviously Deion Bailey, Jesse Scroggins, and then some other guys that, you know, USC is also looking at. What did, what did you think of the guys that have USC, higher USC interest or are committed to USC? Well, there was four guys to evaluate um, from, a, from a target perspective for USC and obviously being the guys who are committed are, are kind of the first guys that jump out at you, uh, Deion Bailey and Jesse Scroggins. Deion Bailey, uh, about 6'1", 195 pounds, uh, came into the game with a high, kind of a, a bad groin injury, and um, that that really kind of slowed him down. You could tell that it, covering ground is a free safety. Uh, he was just a, a half a step off and didn't play bad, but a couple times you know, probably would have gotten beat. Uh, deep on uh, some cover twos if the ball would have been thrown right on the money. And uh, he, he went through the game, and he was playing just defense. He's, he's going to probably play more offense this year, but in this game, really couldn't because of the injury. And then in the third quarter, actually had a head-on collision with DeAnthony Thomas, who's another guy that USC will be looking at for next year. 
and the two just went head to head on the goal line, and uh, you know Crenshaw didn't score, but unfortunately both players, I think from that collision, were knocked out of the game. Uh, Dion Bailey ended up, you know, really having a mild concussion from that. He ended up on the sideline. He was uh, really woozy. At first, we didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe it was the groin injury because he was laying on the ground, and then the ambulance showed up and the paramedics. And it would really seem kind of a little bit serious, and you don't usually see that happening. But his dad was just taking extra precautions, and, you know, they'd never gone through that situation before. And it's a little scary. I mean, your son is there, and he's kind of wobbly and, and a little, you know, got the cobwebs going on and stuff. And, Certainly, and yeah. Dion wanted, to come, Dion wanted to come back in the game, and he wanted to play. And, and you know, his, his dad just said, no, you need to, you need to sit it out. And it uh, looks like he's probably going to sit out next week, too. Um, so he went to the hospital, but got evaluated, and everything is good. So he only played a half of football, and it was kind of tough to evaluate him even in that half because of the groin injury. And then you mean you had the concussion, and he's out. He wasn't playing at all. Um, and like I talked about, the Anthony Thomas, the Black Mamba, uh, we call him uh, his kind of his nickname. He'd be growing up out of this Snoop Pop Warner League. He uh, he had a great game again for for a half. Um, you know, he came in. And uh, if it plays running back, he's about in the 5'10", 5'11", range, um, about 100, and I think he's, they say he's only about 160, 165 pounds. He's built pretty well, though, for a guy. I mean, a lot of people talk about him being slight. He's pretty physical. He plays safety uh, for Crenshaw, and he plays tailback. He is uh, just so fast on the end. I mean, that was really... Crenshaw's running game was just getting him to the edge and letting him outrun people. And uh, he's one of the top sprinters in California. He'll be maybe the top sprinter in California next year. Um, and uh, he's, he's definitely a guy that uh, he shows that speed on the edge. Didn't show a whole lot right up the middle. Um, kind of tough uh, to, to see whether he's really, truly going to be a tailback at the next level. Um, you know, a lot of people assume that. But he's a pretty darn good defensive back, too. And he covers a lot of ground. As a, as a free safety, and he's physical. Like I said, a lot of people talk about him being built slight. He didn't play like it, man. He plays very physically, and, you know, in the goal line situation against Bailey, that was offensive, but, you know, defensively, he comes up and nails people, too, and he hits people, and there was a couple times where he hit people, and, and you know, they both felt it kind of thing. I, I Maybe one of those situations where he kind of needs to cool it a little bit because he needs to wait until he gains a little more weight because he was hitting people and getting up kind of slowly to, just like they were, even if he was on defense so uh he had a great game he had a very good game he was um you know there's going to be a lot of hype around him and and people are going to have high expectations and i'm sure they're going to meet some games here where maybe he doesn't meet those expectations but i think you know he's the real deal he's, he's legitimately as fast as he should be shows good vision um good moves in open field he had one real long run where he, he made a move on a guy to the you know he's running up the middle and there's a tackler to the left and, and really on his blind side I, I don't know how he saw the kid but just made this kind of this this little uh Olay move where he just kind of jumped out of the way and stopped and and let the guy go right by him and it was kind of like wow how did he even see this kid and so he's got a little something special there you know as a running back and and like i said you know physically just with his speed and everything uh he's a heck of a defensive back too so we'll have to see how that develops i think he's a little more in the athlete category than a lot of people would would put him early on i think everybody kind of just assumed he's going to be a tailback but he's he's a little bit of an athlete we're gonna to have to see what schools recruit him where um and that includes usc um his teammate hayes pollard plays linebacker and plays uh fullback for crenshaw and uh, didn't do much 
offensively. They ran the dive play a lot with him and didn't do a whole lot. Uh, he was really good early on playing linebacker, very aggressive, made some big hits. Uh, just clearly the, the team leader, the, the, the inspirational leader of that team, um, you know, everybody kind of rallies around him. Uh, he sets the tone. Uh, but he, too, you know, he was really strong early on, looked really good sideline to sideline, came up. Uh, you know, the, the running was actually working pretty well for Lakewood early on, which was interesting. And they found some little running lanes. It was a really good kind of system and scheme that they had set up to run the ball. I think, you know, Crenshaw was just very cognizant of the passing game with Lakewood. Uh, but they ran the ball pretty well. But Hayes still played well individually. I think it was more of a team thing in the defensive line for Crenshaw that had some issues. Um, but he also got digged. He ended up getting hit on, on, on offense. First of all, it was one of those dive plays right up the middle where, you know, he ended up kind of ended up on the ground, and one of the tacklers, I think, kicked him in the head. So he was a little woozy from that, you could tell, got up slow. And then later in the game, he got hit again, which I don't know if it was an ankle injury or whatnot, but he also in the fourth quarter ended up out of the game. So, at the end of the game, we had this close, you know, this 28-27 game, and Jesse Scroggins is really the only big-time, you know, target uh, that, that you would be looking at left in the game at that point. <laughs> it's like and, a mass and, unit and out Jesse, there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of funny that, you know, it, it's kind of high school football. You know, you go in and everybody's all obsessed about, uh, you know, the, the, all these great players that are, that are playing here and playing there. And, and you know what? Sometimes it's all about the guys that are not the great players that are going to end up winning the game for you. And, you know, Scroggins had a, a great game. He was 17 for 27, about 207 yards, three touchdowns, didn't throw any interceptions. Um, and, and it really kind of became his game to lose towards the end. They had a, an opportunity there with about two minutes left. Um, they were down 28-27, and they drove. And it, it ended up being fourth and goal, and it was like about, I think, fourth and six, fourth and seven. And, uh, and they just couldn't complete the pass. Um, but, you know, overall, you would have to say that Scroggins against a, a very fast defense, a very good defense, uh, played really well, played within himself. You, you could tell that, you know, I think he wanted to throw the ball deeper a little more and, and wanted to do some things. But, you know, he, he kind of stays within the system, and I think that's the one thing about Scroggins that USC really likes is that, you know, he is a very coachable guy, and you can really form your system around him and not have to worry about him trying to do too much. And, you know, he, he, can, he can make a lot of really good throws downfield, but, you know, he's content with the slants and, and the quick routes, you know, to the outside and, and taking what the defense gets him. And because he's accurate, it's, it's really effective. And that's kind of just how this game went. You know, they didn't win. It was, a, it was a big loss for them. You know, you can tell it hurt them, you know, emotionally. They, a lot of it was expected to link with this year. Um, you know, and, and I think they're still going to do good things. I, I think they've got to be the clear favorite uh, to win the more league. I mean, we saw Long Beach Poly playing against Servite, and Long Beach Poly just really they, – they struggled a lot. So, I mean, I think Lakewood's definitely got the better team. You know, how they go in – to the Pac-5 and later on in the playoffs, that's going to be the question. You know, they got to get the they got to get the, the the penalties down first and foremost. You know, they've just really too many stupid penalties that they had, and you see that breaking up the rhythm of their offense. And then maybe you know, as as, as time progresses, you know, they got to be a little better uh, at the linebacker position in their pursuit and things like that. Just making sure that they're just more fundamentally sound because they got a lot of talent, a lot of speed, and they should be a, a good team down the line. Just you know, Crenshaw, Crenshaw, I think. A lot of people were sleeping on their passing game. Everybody talks about Hayes, and they talk about the Anthony Thomas. And uh, we saw pa- we saw a passing league at USC with Crenshaw, which Crenshaw won outright. They swept. And Crenshaw, they've got a heck of a passing game. they got a small little quarterback there in Thompson. 
who's, you know, probably about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, not a big-time Division One guy, but, you know, a high school level, guy's got an arm, and he's crazy accurate, and, and he can hit a lot of passes, and he ended up hitting Gino Hall, who's another guy that you're really not going to hear about as a USC fan, um, you know, as, as a receiver, as a small little receiver, but a guy that got great hands, great moves in the open field, and was reliable, and, and the combination of a lot of those guys who, you know, they, they may be real low Division One guys or not Division One guys at all, but at the high school level still, you know, great players. And, and those are the kind of guys sometimes that win you championships, not the guys that are going on to USC and whatnot. And that's what Crenshaw has. So that's pretty much what won the game. They, they really were able to pass the ball late and some third downs and, and uh, able to escape with the victory. All right. Well, Gerard, thanks. Well, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you on other big high school games throughout the year. But uh, thanks for your info there. And uh, thanks, Robert, for that question. And, uh, Gerard, I guess we'll talk to you again next week. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, man. Oh, yeah. Everyone else, enjoy the game against Ohio State this weekend. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. We'll break down the game and then preview the upcoming matchup, Carroll versus Sark, USC versus Washington. So we'll have all that next week. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.